Hello, and welcome back to the In the Can podcast. As always, I'm Devin, and this week I'm joined by... James. And Tom. Hey, Tom's back. Absolutely. Hello, Tom. You didn't die. Nope, didn't die. Damn, I mean, good. <laughs> Probably felt like it was what you had, though. Yeah, it pretty much did. All right. Uh, going to warn you, this or right now, we are not doing two episodes this week. Haven't seen enough movies, not enough news this week, so we're just going to break it down into one episode. The movies I saw this week, I saw Spring Breakers. Uh, if you want to see James Franco say Spring Break for two two hours, then great. If you like a bunch of people in bikinis, movies for you. Other than that, not too much. That's it. Uh, I tried watching Irishman, got about halfway through, and went, I'll continue this later. And then I want to watch Marriage Story. Okay. Also, The Expanse Season 4 came out, and that I just realized that, so... That's the thing I have to watch. Fair. Uh, the only thing that I've seen is Jumanji. I also saw Jumanji, the next level. Yep. Just real quickly, was it good? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was okay. It wasn't the same as number one, but it was enjoyable. Well, that's the same as number two. Sorry, uh, yeah, number two. Well, I genuinely really liked Welcome to the Jungle. And the next level, while I loved some of the concepts and I love Jack Black playing different characters or Aquafina playing different characters or various things. It, it was just one of those that your main storyline is wasn't tied together. The main storyline should be the kid that that left the girlfriend and went to New York and the Spencer, girlfriend's story yeah. Spencer and Martha's story and yep. not the two new characters that are in there. Yeah. The the main story should have been tied to Spencer and Martha and Bethany and Fridge, the four of them. With the others uh, being an, uh, an uh, a humorous add-on. Yeah, yeah with uh, Milo and Eddie. Yeah, they should not have been the main emotional crux of the story. No. Uh, it it just kind of felt like they had another story they wanted to tell and be like, yeah, well, we, we I guess we can throw these other characters in. But that's okay. kind of the biggest problem I had, is that they had just... I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, They had a bunch of different... Like, the, the storyline's going on, but ultimately nothing really happened. That's mm-hmm. the biggest issue I had with it, is, like, it felt like I was playing a poorly, or watching a poorly written video game. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so. And I, I've watched ten movies this week, but they were all Star Wars. All right, we will get into that. Before that, um, we don't have any news this week. There's been some new trailers, like Free Guy trailer came out, which looks really cool if you haven't seen it. But an NPC in a video game. <laughs> looks hilarious. Speaking of video uh, games. Ryan Reynolds. Yep. Um, oh, is he playing Deadpool again? Pretty much. Except he's the NPC that decides, I'm going to have fun. Oh. I'm going to be a player character. It looks really fun. Yeah, um, I see it. Bunch of new trailers that came out this week for Jumanji and for Star Wars this coming week. So, or this week, technically. So, but our main topic this week is all going to be Star Wars because obviously Rise of Skywalker comes out on Thursday. Yay! Yay. I'm on the fence about it. Nah. I want to see it. I'm not expecting it to be much. I'm expecting it to kind of back down and be safe, which is a problem. Yeah. Just following trends, I think it's going to back down and become safe, uh, unfortunately. Safer than 7? To me, I think 7 at least introduced new characters and that kind of thing. And then 8 tried to be different. And there was such a huge fan backlash that Nine's like, let's just remake another movie. <laughs> well, 
we'll get we'll get into that when we go over the new sequels because I've got I've got feelings on where I think it kind of fell through. Okay. Sure. Um, so we have like a Star Wars extravaganza today. We have what we think about each movie, all 10, 11 if you count the crappy Clone Wars movie. I didn't know it existed until you said something You're to me an hour missing. ago. You're not missing anything. No, i not. And then uh, we have like favorite characters and planets and that kind of stuff. So a top list. Let's take this one. Let's to uh, be the Star Wars ringleader. How about we pop it over to Tom? Yeah. Alrighty. Sweet. All right. So I say that we we should start off with our overall what we think are our top ten films. So what our, put, our order for what we think put, put the ten in, in a personal in order. a personal order. What we think is our favorite going to least favorite of the films. I'm gonna reverse it. I'm gonna I, go least favorite to favorite. I'm kind of go. I'm kind of with that, right, on that, that one. That works with me because we end we we end with the with what we enjoy as opposed to what we hate. That's that's fair yeah. with me. All right. So uh, since I'm the ringleader, James, why don't you kick it off? Let me know what your number ten is. Okay, I didn't expect that one. Actually, thought you were gonna start, but that's fine by me. Uh. At the very bottom for me is Last Jedi. It it had way too many failings, felt way too copy-paste from the rest of the series, and the resolution didn't feel like a resolution because nobody, nobody got there because they failed even though they tried correctly. They got there because they failed because of plot. They want a plot to happen, so they had the heroes fail to make the plot happen as opposed to the the characters failing and then plot resulting from that. Okay. That's kind of the big... And that's going to be one of the biggest explanations I have about that. Uh, next up is actually Force Awakens. A lot of fun stuff in there, but it... Especially after... Because I watched these all in chronological order. So... Started it, strong and then got very depressed about nine... Tenths of the way through, and then just man, nah, the last the last third was kind of disappointing. I won't I won't even try to say it otherwise. But it it felt it could again because I watched it in chronological order. It felt way way too derivative. Okay. I've seen all of this before, and not even just because I'd seen the movie before. Force Awakens felt like a giant retread. Next up, Solo. On the whole, pretty entertaining. A couple things I didn't like couple characters I didn't like. Uh, a couple things that were actually really damn impressive. The whole thing with the Maw. Oh my god. Like, oh, that yeah. that whole bit was amazing. But again, it felt kind of derivative. And not actually of Star Wars. It felt derivative of Firefly and Serenity. Because it felt like a, a Western. Okay. Which doesn't sound like it should be possible considering everything. But that's what it was. All right, so next up, A New Hope, episode four. I've always had a problem with Luke. I've always had a problem with Luke in that first movie. He, whiny little bastard. He is a he is a Skywalker. He is a whiny, goody two-shoes who judges everyone who doesn't follow his moral path. You can see how it, it's not meant to be. I know it's not meant to be, but he is condescending. Of several actions that other character takes, other characters take, primarily Han. There's a couple things that Han does that he's just very snarky and like passive aggressive about it, and it's like 
dude, you are 17 from a farmland. What what the hell is your beef? You you can't say shit to him. Uh, space cows, we have that on the farm. But yeah, so it's, like I said, because of that and because, and a lot of it's just because we have done better stuff. We have a lot of a lot of things that have done the exact same thing that A New Hope did, and have done it better because production and all that sort of stuff, and people like this thing. On the whole, not bad. I probably won't go to back to it again. Okay. Just kind of at that point. All right. Next up, Empire Strikes Back. It improved a lot of things. Right. It improved a lot of things. For one, I actually liked Lou's character. The plot was very interesting, especially for its time, and it still pulls up fairly well today. Okay. The visuals definitely hold up better than A New Hope did. What number is this? Uh, I Technically, it, uh, it is five, I think, but a couple of the next two are kind of doubled up, which is why, which is why I haven't said numbers yet. Okay. So we're technically, well, no, it'd be number six. It'd be number okay. six, but, but the next two are doubled up. So, tied technically at three is actually Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Okay. I have not watched the prequels in over ten years. So, when I went back and watched them, I kind of expected to have the whole thing that everybody, like, it's like, ah, oh, the prequels are so bad, blah, 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 like all the internet bullshit. I really enjoyed the prequels. I'm very surprised because I'm at a point where I actually like a lot of the political intrigue and stuff. And that's what the prequels a lot very much are. They are very much about the subterfuge, the political intrigue, and all that sort of stuff. And the biggest thing I took away from both Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, one, the Jedi Council are arrogant sons of bitches. Like, 100% arrogant sons of bitches. And two, Obi-Wan's a dick. <laughs> he is he is just a phenomenal we'll get more when we have a like a more of a breakdown of the, the prequels, blah blah blah, all that sort of stuff. But that took me by surprise. It took me a lot by surprise. And for all that people hate some of the stuff, I found myself kind of laughing along and not caring so much. There's a couple lines where I went like, oh, I would have worded that a little differently, or that's the take you used, but for the most part I, I only did one take. <laughs> yeah, but like the, other than that, it's like I really enjoyed it. Which kind of goes into my next one. So num tie for number two, Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi. And I see Tom's got his eyes closed and he's just shaking his head at me. Dude, I'm sorry. I'm at that point where the whole political intrigue kind of really it, it really kind of hits well, that spot in me. And fun. Phantom Menace was such a departure from what Star Wars is, but it's full of all that subterfuge. And I'm seeing that and I'm like, oh my god. It's being played like a giant chess game. This is amazing. And I actually found myself really enjoying it. And plus it's got the the great fight at the end with Darth Maul. And Return of the Jedi? Again, it's kind of got that everyone's kind of playing each other. Moral ambiguity. And then the last half an hour is just... Mm, this, the, the split between the battle on the Death Star between... Vader and Luke, and then the star battle outside. It's like, yeah, and the and the battle on the moon of Endor. I think it was forest moon of Endor. Yeah, the, let's not get into that, Devin. Oh, okay, but yeah, like with, with the Ewoks and everything, it's like I really liked it. And number one, 
which if anybody's been keeping track should be obvious, Rogue One. I absolutely watched, love this movie. I have watched it three full times, and every single time I have cried once we get to that last half hour. It it took me by surprise when it hit me that hard in the theater. I was I did not expect it. I thought the second time I watched it, okay, I got that on my system. Maybe it won't hit me again. It hit me again. And just this last week, I was like, okay, I'll be able to watch this. As soon as I, as soon as it started getting to that point, I was like, oh, here they come. Mm, okay, I can't stop it. I, I enjoy the different feel from Star Wars. I enjoy the fact that they're showing essentially the rebellion at its absolute worst, like at their lowest point, and that ties neatly into a New Hope, for the most part. Plus the end bit with Vader. Oh yeah, yeah. that. It's only like a minute long, but oh my god. I finally realized that Vader is actually formidable. Yeah. He's been a joke for so long, not helped by the prequel showing the sympathetic side of him. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a reason he is terrifying. Got it. And it also makes the whole uh, Leia absolutely lying blatantly to his face in A New Hope even more hilarious. Also why he's pissed. It's like, I just saw you take off. Don't give me this shit, woman. No, it, but yeah, that's that's mine. Like I said, a couple doubled up, but don't make me pinch, pimp slap my daughter. <laughs> he sounded like it. It's like he was uncharacteristic. Like for everything else, he's uncharacteristically angry in that first bit in A New Hope, and they actually kind of managed to tie it very well as to why in Rogue One. It's like obviously he's pissed. I don't know about uncharacteristic. I mean, we could see Anakin. Okay, you got a point there. But and I mean, then when Anakin becomes Darth Vader in the dark and all black and the mechanical and everything like that, and he crushes a room screaming no. No, no. He upon moaned. hearing the fact that his wife had been killed. By the way, spoilers. Oh, if you haven't seen Return of or Revenge of the Sith by now, I'm talking about just general. But it's, <laughs> well, the thing is, one, he doesn't scream no. He James Earl Jones no. moans out no. Still, second, he crushes a room. Second, as Vader, he's hasn't really. He, he, you look at the later movies. He, he doesn't really get that angry again. So it's like uh, characteristic for Anakin, absolutely. Characteristic for Vader, I'd argue. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Exactly. As he's crushing a guy's windpipe. Yeah, he's a snarky asshole. It was great. Vader, let that wasn't go. that wasn't that wasn't anger. That was him teaching a cocky asshole not to be cocky when he can crush his throat, or or like Krennic. It's like don't choke on your aspirations. It's like he's a snarky, sarcastic jackass, and it's amazing. All right then. So, all right, who's going next? He made huh? a pun. Right. He does it all the time. So. Devin, would you like to go first, or do you want me to go first? That is up to you, Ringleader. All right. Uh, I guess I'll go next. All right. Uh, my number 10 is Phantom Menace. Oh, already putting off on the wrong foot. Got it. Right. Exactly. So Phantom Menace for me was my least favorite. While I agree, I love the political intrigue part of it. I think that part's great. There were so many bad points in the film that I'm just... Why was this here? Okay, yeah. That it made me want to cry and cringe as a Star Wars fan. Uh, 
overall, don't get me wrong, like, I love all of the movies, but this is probably my least, this is just my least favorite of them. Hey, that's why it's an opinion. Right, number nine is Clone Wars. Attack of the Clones? Or Attack of the Clones, my okay. bad. Uh, my number 11 is Clone Wars, sorry. Oh, man, you took my opening bid. <laughs> my number 11 is Clone Wars. Uh, Attack of the Clones, sorry. Wow, is I am number just... nine. I'm getting hammered this <laughs> with the with the opposition here. Now this one, I agree again. The political intrigue, amazing, love that part. I loved seeing all of the Jedi, and just seeing them go to work, even though a ton of them get killed. It for me, the line from the first one: "Jedi can't get killed from Anakin" or whatever it was to those to that extent. Oh yeah, the, the... and then all of a sudden when. Qui-Gon says, I wish that was true. And then you see it. And then yeah. you see them just dying. They're mowed they're they're kind of mowed down on Geonosis. They kind of are. I mean, it's a giant battle. Yeah, they're all Jedi, but eh. there's only so much you can block. Right. Okay, so So my number eight is Is it? Return of the Jedi. Oh really? Okay, I'm a little surprised. Yeah, so I Return expect, of the I Jedi. Revenge of the Sith. It's so boring. Like, cinematically and story-wise, it's just a boring movie. Okay. Uh, the big saving grace of it is watching Luke Skywalker toe the line, or, like, just creep along the edge of the of the knife between dark side and light side. Well, he's on, the thing, the, what, what I picture it as is he's on that cliff kind of windmilling at right. one point, and then he manages to pull himself back up. But he also realizes that sometimes, to do what you need to do, you have to embrace that darkness. Even if it's just a little bit. Which isn't the traditional Jedi way, but then again, he wasn't always, he wasn't actually trained as a full Jedi, so it's fine. You know, whatevs. Uh, number seven, A New Hope. Okay, so about somewhere on that opinion yeah. on that one. Okay. Is uh, it for the, pretty much the same reasons? Not so much Luke, but again, it's kind of boring to watch overall I, I will admit except for rogue one because i always watch that at, at regular speed i watched all of them at like one and a half speed and even then i won't lie it did kind of drag it, it, it's kind of boring to watch compared to the other films it it just kind of drags at points it shows its age it does and well yeah certain parts are intriguing about it like until the second half of the film it's just kind of like Oh, okay, cool. That's farm kid trying to get off the planet and do other things. Uh, but I wanted to go to Tashi Station. Yeah, who cares? Uh, okay. Six solo. I'm gonna ask. Is this kind of your midpoint, like for, for yeah. enjoyability? Yeah. So solo, while sure fun adventure, great. Woohoo! Too many like it felt so rushed for what it was trying to accomplish and say that it's just kind of. Uh, it could have been better. I could see that. Next is Revenge of the Sith at number five. Higher than I expected. <laughs> like, I really enjoyed this film as far as the prequels go. Uh, it was an interesting watch to see how things were going to play out involving him and Padme and what was, like, what actually happened to find that. To see the feud come to a boiling point between... Uh, the trust between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Where that dark path actually starts. Right, yeah. Um, and I love the Mace Windu fight, even though 
my boy Kit just right there. The other three were just placeholders to die. That's literally right. all they were. Right. Uh. Then at number four is Last Jedi. We'll I, get more into that later. We will get more right. into that later. Uh, Last Jedi. There were sure the middle part was just kind of like, why is this even here? Why can't they bite? I don't understand. Uh, characters underutilized, sure, but at the same time, like it gave us a nice little wrap up to Luke becoming what he becomes uh part of the force it 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 fits like he he did his thing um and he did it in his good old luke way like he never fits in with the norm for anything that he's done so he really doesn't i won't i won't disagree there i guess uh number three is the force awakens i really enjoyed this film i saw it eight times in theaters I've it's on seen, the background too, actually. Yeah, it's on in the background, uh, even though nobody can hear it. Yeah. But and just I really thought it was a fun movie to watch. For me, one of the biggest things is I really got into the music for this one. The music for all of them has been pretty solid, right? But I mean, like for this one, John Williams, I'm just like, dude, you you smashed it out of the park again, and you did such an amazing job. I loved some of the new characters they introduced incredibly. And I liked the little like teasers of here's how this is going to fit in with the past and everything like that. They sprinkled throughout. Just thought it was great. Number two, Rogue One. Overall, fantastic individual movie. Uh, it tells a great story of how they got the Death Star plans in the first place. Uh, again, I agree, Darth Vader finally becomes a force to be reckoned with that we actually get to fear that's not just, uh, you know, him dealing with Krennic, but, like, we actually get to see why everybody was so blasted afraid of him in Episode 4 at the very beginning. Which kind of makes the one line they have about it in the beginning of A New Hope I mean, like, wow, that is downplaying how bad it actually was, isn't it? Right. <laughs> and then, finally, my absolute favorite of all of them is Empire Strikes Back. Okay. And, I mean, there's, cinematically, there's just so much going on with it uh, for the original uh, trilogy. The fact that we get the biggest reveal of all of them in that film, and also, sure. too, like, so, even though this is a departure slightly, I really loved Two Towers as well, because it's the diverging point of everybody's stories. Not everybody is neatly tied up at the very end there's more going on you know that there's going to be more coming and everything is set up to be played out in a final chapter and it leaves you on this like cliffhanger that you're just like i've got to know more and that's why i love it so much because it's con every time i see it i go man i need to see more star wars okay I need to know more about the storyline. I want to know more. And it reminds me every time why you enjoy, I... You've enjoyed them so much. enjoyed them so much. I've read books, some of the comics, all that stuff. Like All non-canon now. Uh, no, I've read all the new books. Disney, oh. Any um, new books, any new comics, any of the new, new comics. games are yeah. all canon. Yep. Because screw you, Disney. Well, you know, hey. So they've that, got to do some proper... That's a personal thing. Yeah. But, so that's my top ten. Uh, well, eleven. So... All right. Uh, Go ahead, Devin. Well, 
Number 11 is very, very solidly Clone Wars, for uh, sure. I saw it in theaters, and it was it was pretty bad. Uh, other than introducing Ashoka Tano, there's nothing good in that movie. Um, my number 10, and it's very, very solidly 10, is Return of the Jedi. Okay. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the odd one out here. Um, I'll be honest, I've never liked the Ewoks. Jabba and Jabba's Palace just annoy me. I hate Salacious Crumb. I hate Jabba. I, I, that whole... There's very little in that scene that I find intriguing. And ultimately, it's just kind of the boring, like, opening scene to a movie. Going back to Dagobah is just kind of like, okay, cool. We've already been here. All of the, the battle over Endor is interesting. And I love the speeder bike chase. But there's very, very little in that movie that I like. And with the special editions, they broke my favorite scene in the entire original series. In the original, the original trilogy and that's when vader is trying to decide do i save oh i hate that i hate do that i edition. save luke or do i side with um the emperor and the fact that he now says no and then throws him over bothers the hell out of me i love that he was silent and you got a motion from a guy that never you don't see his face it was such a well-done editing and all that, but then they went and ruined it. Because George Lucas can't leave well enough alone. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, I don't know. I've just never been a big fan of it. It's always been just one that I, I'm i not interested in. Uh, and that leads into my number nine, which is New Hope. I've also, sure, it introduces new characters. It's the first one in the series. But it's also almost, what, 40 years old? About there. It's over, it's like, what, 42, 42 years old? Yeah, 42. And it shows its age. And it's it's just not a... In, like, it's a original story at the time, but it's just kind of one of those that... It doesn't hold up. And it it's one that the writing isn't very great. Luke, yeah, Luke is annoying. Yeah. Um, just, I don't know. I've just never been a big fan of the a New Hope. And there's some scenes, and if you haven't seen the re-cut version of the Vader-Obi-Wan fight, uh, go look that up online. I don't remember which scene it is, but it's like scene 60-something or 100-something. Go and find that. That digitally upgraded version of the fight is so much more interesting than like two old men hitting each other with sticks. Oh, wait, are you talking about the one where they On the where... Star Destroyer or the Death Star, and That's they right. are just kind of whacking each other with sticks, and then he goes, never mind, and then dies. Uh, this one is a fan-made version of it where they're superimposing Alec Guinness's face. And it's essentially like, they, like what would happen if yeah. two... Po- oh. That's a yeah. great, like, a such a better mine, version of that. Scene. A friend of mine showed that, but I understand why they couldn't do it. But no, I agree. Like mm-hmm. that was that was something. Yeah, just it was such Agreed. a mediocre. It was good at the time, but it, it hasn't aged well. No, it hasn't. So it's my number nine. My number eight is Solo. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed Solo, so you can kind of tell this is where it ramps up to me actually liking the movies. But it bothers me that everything that ever. Basically, anything that's ever happened to Han Solo happened in like a week and a half or two weeks. And it's just kind of like, okay, pick one storyline, tell that story. Don't tell all of the stories and cram it in. Like, one you could have one or two kind of things kind of intermingling. But yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, having everything happen in about a month is. Yeah, it's like a month but, and a half or so. For the most part, or the casting. Three, three years and a month and a half. Doesn't matter. For the most part, the casting, perfect for uh, Han Solo, perfect for Lando Parisian. Uh, Dryden Voss, I think, is awesome, but great for Chewbacca. Yeah, and <laughs> he's the the new guy they got to play Chewbacca. Awesome. Yeah, but the rest of the movie is just it's full of logic holes and full of like holes and 
storylines that don't go anywhere or they bring back Darth Maul when they should just have a new character they introduced and there's so many just little problems and inconsistencies and that's the biggest issue with Solo. Might have been, in, might have been interesting if it had been Snoke. Just saying. Eh, not Snoke but like someone original and interesting that we want to see more of. Not yeah. someone that died in and fell down a hole. Uh, my number seven is episode eight, uh, Last Jedi. Again, massively inconsistent. Um, had some absolutely amazing scenes, uh-huh. complemented with a whole storyline that went nowhere, and it took up half an hour of the movie. And it's just kind of one of those that the movie is so all over the place that it it doesn't settle down and make a good movie. So like the some of its parts don't equal a great movie, but there are parts that are amazing. We'll get into that when we talk about the planets, I'm sure. Because one of my planets is from from uh, Last Jedi. So well, mine, yeah. my, my number six is Phantom Menace. Kind of the same thing is, for the time, I was that age that I thought it was amazing. It hasn't quite held up as much as I remember. Uh, the pod race is still one of my favorite sound designs ever. It is a technical marvel on both audio and visual. Yeah. I love the Duel of the Fates and all that with Darth Maul, but then they complement it with a child just, just winning or winning the day because he has to because he's Anakin Skywalker. And I, I just don't like uh, Anakin Skywalker like at all in this movie. He's too young. He's too uh, kind of... He's like a snotlose little brat that's too goody-two-shoes, but at the same time, is, you know he's going to end up as like the tyrant of evil. Yep. It, I, it's one of those that I... It has tons of great amazing locations and stuff like that. Like I think the, the Gungan home home area, the Gungan home world, I guess the, I think that's amazing, but I don't know. It's just one that hasn't held up as much as I wish it was. Which did leads me into attack of the clones, my number five, which visually, holy crap, amazing, but acting dialogue story, massively just falls down. Especially when it comes to any dialogue coming out of Hayden Christensen's mouth. And I don't blame that on him. I don't blame it on him. I know he's a good actor when he wants to be, but this was just... Or when he's allowed to be, probably more. This was hard to watch uh, on repeat. And there are moments that I absolutely love. And again, we'll get into that when we talk about planets and characters and that kind of stuff. Basically, my favorite planet and my one of my favorite characters are tied together. And it, they're only mentioned in this movie. <laughs> they're never, ever mentioned anywhere else. The giant Coliseum battle, I think, is amazing. The start of the Clone Wars, awesome. There's so much else in the movie that is just meh. Mostly the Padme and Anakin offshoot. All that's just kind mm-hmm. of okay. Number four is Empire Strikes Back. Uh, pretty solidly my favorite of the original trilogy. Uh, I love that it's not George Lucas directing, it's Lawrence Kasdan. Mm-hmm. He's a decent director. Um, I love the worlds introduced. I love Bespin, I love Hoth. I, love, I think Dagobah is well done in this one. It's fun to learn stuff about the Force with Yoda and all that. And the Force Ghost stuff is interesting. And kind of like they start laying the groundwork for an interesting universe in this one. So, so I have to give credit where credit's due. Then I have episode seven is my number three. Uh, it's just one of those that, as far as entertainment value goes, it's very, very high on my list. Um, I do like the new characters. Ray, Finn, Poe, 
Um, BB-8, I, I like the way they do all the characters and all that. I love the way they do BB-8 as a mechanical, live, on-set performance, which is just weird for that droid. Which you think it, it should never be able to happen, but it is. No, yeah. It's, like, it's, that's all practical, and that's one of the, that's one of the, sell, that's one of the selling points. Yeah, there's a bunch of digital yeah. on there, too. And, but, yeah, for the most part, like, or... Real and I just in general I like the the movie. Uh, it's one that was a nice return to form back to to Star Wars. It felt like it fit where it's supposed to fit, but it the bigger problem I have is that it feels like it's a it's a remake of a lesser movie. So it's a re up of a movie that I I wasn't a huge fan of, but now I'm a fan of this one. So it feels like an update of a movie that needs an update. Uh, number two is Rogue One. No surprise there. We've mentioned it. Everyone's had it, and either James is at one, and Thomas two, mine's two. But my number one favorite is Revenge of the Sith. Hands down, almost universally for production design. The production and design of all of the worlds, all of the, just collectively, everything in this movie was ramped up. And uh, that's actually Revenge of the Sith is usually the one where even people who don't like the prequels will admit that it was pretty good. Yeah. Like, that's the one that, yeah. to a lot of people, saved the prequels. Yeah. And I, as far as, like, the storyline between Anakin and Padme, it didn't feel as awkward and, like, wooden as two. Uh, I felt, I liked that it wasn't the main storyline. No, it was a sideline. Like, yeah. Um, I really, really did enjoy that they decided to actually go dark with it. <laughs> one and two were very, like, kind of happy and bright for children and that kind of thing, obviously selling toys. And then three, all of a sudden, the first scene is have someone get decapitated. Like, it starts dark. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get much much brighter. That's just like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. The showing Anakin murdering children and walking up with a bunch of clones taking out children and Padawans and apprentices. And, like, that to me is just... They needed to go dark, and they didn't go dark enough in one and two. They didn't skip so they on three, though. Here. Yeah, and I love the fact they that they did not skip on three. That no. Count Dooku just kind of goes down easily, and I like the kind of the evolution of Anakin. And once Anakin goes evil, that was great. He, he hits Hammy once he goes evil. I'm okay with it. No, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm like he yeah. got he was able he was allowed to go Hammy on it. Yeah, and this movie has my single favorite character in the entire series. So we'll get into that when we talk about characters, but. I absolutely love this movie. And it's one that, yeah, it has some terrible dialogue, but I'm okay with it. All the movies have terrible dialogue, actually, if you look at them. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But They're all cheesy as shit. This one, again, is one that I feel like someone might have been sitting next to George Lucas going, you should probably change that. And he took some advice here and there. Whereas 1 and 2 didn't feel like it. It's probably because the backlash from 1 and 2 made him realize, like, I, I would think, made him realize, like, eh, maybe I should at least get a second opinion on stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, there are some really cringeworthy moments. The nose. Okay, but I was okay with it. Why was it a no instead of just an inarticulate scream? Yeah. I would have bought the, the inarticulate scream. The no kind of makes it... <laughs> well, well, real quickly on that. Do you know? I can't remember what language it is. It is, but one of the one of the foreign language dubs actually makes it essentially "do not want." 
I think that's Japanese when that positive. It's one of the, it's what I want to say. It's more Spanish. It, uh, one one of the Latin ones. I don't. I it might be Japanese, but yeah, it's basically it basically reduces it to do not want, which makes it hilarious. Yeah, well, favorite is that's funny. Three. So, all right, so all right. where are we going from there? So, now that we know where we all stand on this, uh, I was thinking real quick we could do a little bit more of a breakdown of the uh, of each one of the trilogies. So each one of the trilogy parts so far. So the starting with the, the three trilogies the, and the stories, probably. Yeah. Okay. So. I'm going to throw Mandalorian into stories because I know you watch Mandalorian. Yes, I do. Love me some Mandalorian. I still have yet to watch it. Uh, I know a decent amount about it. I, I am have looking not forward to it. watching it. I'm just waiting for it to complete. I have not watched it at all. The only thing I know is apparently Tiny Yoda was is from that. It's Baby Yoda. And, and it's pretend really like Yoda. it's important to the world. Yeah, it's not really Yoda. It's, yeah, just the same race as Yoda. Yeah, but he's 50, so uh, he's baby. Anyway, yep. Alright, so let's start off with the prequel movies, episodes 1, 2, and 3. Oh boy. <laughs> Here we go. Right. You get a bad rap, and I don't think they deserve it. No, they don't. I agree. No. Well, I used to be on that bandwagon, not gonna lie. I noticed that, yeah, you're, like, they're pretty small, or pretty it's low a, on it's your It's pretty list, much a flip from me. Right, now, they used to be 100% my least favorite movies, starting with Phantom Menace, then it, still kind of it well, it still kind of is, yes. But, but I mean, like, I hated them. I mean, I was sit, I would sit there and go, I don't know why these movies were made. Yeah, I understand the the importance of them, but you probably would have given me a you probably would have given me a dirty look when I said number two at that. Why point, right? would you? Well, I used to think, why would you do this to us? Why would you give us this instead of Star Wars? This isn't Star Wars. On a side note, if you have not seen the second season of the show Spaced. Simon Pegg burns all of his stuff because he hates Phantom Menace. Now, back to your registration. Ah, <laughs> uh, it makes a hilarious scene because the Phantom Menace came out between seasons one and two. And the beginning, Tim Bisley, uh, Simon Pegg's character, is performing like the, the Jedi burning of all of his Star Wars paraphernalia. A friend comes in. What are you doing? It's so bad! <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best scenes I've ever seen as far as like that that fandom hating right. Phantom Menace because because uh, it's just Simon Pegg wanted to have a scene of how much he hated him right. episode one and since I've gotten to watch them more and think about them things like that and I've gotten a little bit older and realized the importance that they have I really do enjoy them I <sighs> this list of our putting them in order isn't really indicative of the fact that I don't like them in any way, shape, or form. I really do. I love all the movies, including the Drek that was uh, uh, the Clone Wars, Wars movie. Mm. Uh, yeah, including that Drek, I love the only it. One it's I Star Wars. Genuinely hate. I will. I will say that this applies only to Tom because I absolutely hate uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Okay, that's fair. You're entitled really your opinion. Like Force Awakens and Jedi, but we'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. Right, but. The big, you know what the biggest thing that actually stood out to me throughout the entirety of the prequels? What's that? The CG. Oh, Not yeah. that it was bad, but it's just like, oh, he's CG, he's CG, that's CG. That, did you really need to do that stunt because it's CG? That's one that... So as a production designer and as someone that has immediately catched on to CG nowadays, all of the clone troopers 
in any movie, CG. They I never once made a single clone armor. The, the scene on Geonosis in the second movie, I felt like I was watching Battlefront. I felt like I was watching yeah. someone play a match of Battlefront. I was not watching a movie. I was watching a video game. I mean, for me, that was fine because I was in love with Battlefront. It was. It, I'm not saying it was bad, but I'm, saying, I'm looking at it and it's like, there is something. Or I was looking at an episode from the Clone Wars television show. That's what it felt like. That's fair. I mean... Again, not bad, but I was like, ooh, those are not people. So for Phantom Menace, when it comes comes to CG, the my biggest part that I disliked was the movements of Jar Jar when he's in action. So like when he does the flip into the uh, water, when he drops from the over from the overpass, those kind of things. Because those movements, he's sped up in comparison to everything else. The fall doesn't look natural. None of his movements. Yeah, they're they're. They're not fluid and everything else like normal movement is when we see everybody else moving, which made me sad. It's one of the reasons why I very much dislike Jar Jar Binks in general. I love the Gungans. The Gungans look cool. I like the race. I like their uh, technology. The fact that they utilize water and electricity and plasma as like their weapons that is sweet. No, like that's a concept. They're pretty good. And even yeah. Jar Jar, it's like I'm I'm watching it. And it's like I can tell you CG, and it's kind of funny hearing his accent, but I hear that at work all the time, so it's not it's not really a bad thing to me. As well as the fact that uh, the way they got it so that the the characters are uh, like the other characters are actually looking him in the eye, because you look at stuff like when Ewan McGregor is talking to him, he's looking right up at his eyes, as opposed to where the guy in the suit technically was, which is about level with him. Which makes me think when we see that of the same type of thing that we see in. Deadpool when we have the guy playing Colossus. Oh yeah, he had like the, a he had like a plastic mask of Jar Jar on his head. The, the yeah. best person to compare Jar Jar with is the so Phantom Menace came out in what ninety eight ninety nine. Yep, about there. And the best person that you can compare him to is Gollum from a few years later. Yeah, yeah. they were done the same way. Uh, Ahmed Best who plays uh, Jar Jar was walking around in a suit with kind of like. Hey, look here, kind of thing, and then Gollum, uh, Andy, Andy Circus, was rolling around in like a leotard, doing all the accents, doing the voices, doing everything, everything in camera. That's how you can get interaction with Frodo and all that. It looks completely this real is, because it is. Gollum was the next step from Jar Jar, and I give all of the credit to the people that made Jar Jar. Oh, uh, yeah. Both Ahmed Best, who has never done anything since, because everyone hated Jar Jar. Um, Same thing with Jake Lloyd, pretty much. Well, he's in jail or something now. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, Lloyd, but, um, the animators that had to make Jar Jar, it was the first fully CGI main character, large main character in a movie. And there's been various ones like Scorpion King, right around the same time, had that weird, oh, that, that abomination. <sighs> That's and there like... was young Sherlock Holmes. I think had a had the stained glass creature before this. That was cool. Matrix yeah. two and three had the had a bunch of stuff there, but for the most part, this was the first main character in a movie that was one hundred percent CG. And I have to hand it to him. Yeah, it's by today's standards, it looks bad. It doesn't look terrible. It's a lot better. You than can a tell lot it's of dated. Things. Yeah, but at the time, it looked phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. That character was phenomenal for the time, and it was a revolutionary character 
that was only improved upon a few years later. Well, it's like going back to old video games. It's like Final Fantasy VII, when it came out, was a technological revolution, especially the uh, the FMVs. You look at it now, and it's like, oh, that hurts my eyes. Yeah. So it's like, it, it, the technology just gets better. It's not that they're bad. It's that the technology got so much better that you look back and go, wow, we've come a long way. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm not trying to detract from the accomplishment that the animators and the actors and everybody had with Jar Jar and all the other CGI that goes into the prequels, especially with Rogue, uh, with Phantom Menace, sorry, not Rogue One. Uh, I was looking at the page. We'll get to that. Uh, but with Phantom Menace, my problem was, again, even at that time period when I first saw the movie, seeing the camera shift down but the character's moving so much faster than the camera is. It looks all, yeah, it looks all cranked. Yeah, yeah, it does, and it looks like it, it it pulled me out of it, and that was the part that pulled me out. And it was only during those major action scenes with him that really made me dislike the character as much as I did. Now there were some other things that I had problems with because I don't think he lined up as well, and I think it was a bad representation in general of why they would put that on the screen yeah. but the same t at the same time though again i loved the gungans uh the pod race scene amazing oh yeah the we mentioned this in pod race the sound design yeah. the fact that each pod racer has a different sound yeah. sound for their engines yes. and you can listen to it and know which pod it exactly. felt for all that it was fake it felt 100% real yeah. yeah, and other than, to me, uh, I noticed the crowds mm -hmm. are copy-pasted. They do the same actions. Yeah, it, it's yeah. kind of funny. Other the crowds, but then the actual racing and all that. and the, It's one of the most tense scenes in a Star Wars film, and it's it's kind of this weird, extraneous, you know he's going to win, you know? that, But you still feel and, tense about it. Yeah. yeah. And well, the great thing about that is that they have like realistic motion blur on the ground from just how fast they're moving. Mm -hmm. Yet, if you watch... The shadows are perfectly in line with how they would be. There's no motion blur on shadows like they would uh, they would unfortunately do, which is not realistic. So it's incredibly interesting that they got pretty much everything right in that. They even got mirages for damn for God's sake. It's like there were. I don't know who did those. They deserved every cent of their paycheck. Oh, yeah. was ILM, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah, they did. They deserve every cent of their paycheck for that because that. If anyone scene... knows who uh, Adam Savage is, he worked on it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Adam Savage with Randy Mahara from uh, Mahara from um, Mythbusters. Yeah, it was Star Wars. Yeah. It was, but it. I'd honestly say it is. It is probably the best looking of it, even taking into account the the last, like the the duel with Maul. Because even that has uh, that has a little that more shank to weird, it. That is some weird, yeah. But yeah, on the whole, though, like that pod racing scene is one of the top moments in that movie. I think and it's one of the top movies moments of the of the original prequels. I was about to say, it's like, yeah, like that's, it's, that's that's amazing. Up there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's an amazing scene. Everything that they accomplished with it came together beautifully. Absolutely, and even showing the difference between some of the practical effects that they had going on with some of the. Uh, aliens that they had there that were practical with the CGI right next to them was it, really cool. It added that sense of realism to it because there's little parts that, like it's, we'll get into this in Star Wars, but some interesting stuff on how they got some of those shots. Yeah, but no, absolutely. it's yeah, it. The I will say the 
CGI battle at the end between the Gungans and the battle droids. That hasn't aged all that well. I was watching no. a video game is what I was doing. Yeah, that that I still liked it. A better video game, but I still liked yeah. it. Like that is an interesting scene, but it's just kind of one of those that none of our main characters except Jar Jar's in that scene, and it just kind of is a bunch of CGI people beating up CGI people and. You kind of know that Jar Jar is going to live through it, and like the rest, who cares? How many hope right. didn't? How many yeah. hope? Oh, don't don't you raise your hand? I didn't really care if it or not. Well, that, that was the thing. Like, I wasn't attached to Jar Jar. I've yeah. never been attached to that character throughout any of the prequel movies. I never thought, oh man, this is a character that I have to see more of, that I want to know more about. Apparently, George like, Lucas heard that because you don't really see much more of him in the next two. Pops I mean, up in two and three. he become, but he becomes important. Yeah, he's isn't he the one? The reason why they make the clone army is because he has been manipulated. No, no, no. He's the one that gives that gives uh, Palpatine the uh, the, full, the shot at Chancellor. Yeah, because yeah. he's the one that co- helps to convince Padme. Emergency powers. To, yeah, he's the one that uh, people make the joke that he's the reason the Empire exists. Yeah, yeah well, he also helps convince Padme to have the vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, that was, that was, that was actually Palpatine. Yeah, but Jar Jar, she talks with Jar Jar and Jar Jar has yeah. a short conversation. It but still it, doesn't help. It, it's very, I can't remember what exactly I was going to say. I, again, I, I, no, I don't know. I was watching, I was watching Phantom Mass again and it's like, I was actually laughing at a lot of the stupidity that Jar Jar was putting because in the back of my head, it wasn't, oh, God, this is a stupid character. Why, why is he in this? It was more like, man, this guy's an idiot. How is he alive? It is hilarious. He is a joke on us by the by the force and universe. That is all it is. He is a giant joke. We are the butt. This is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I love that we got, finally got to see Coruscant. Yes. That is... Phantom Menace is the first time we got to actually see Coruscant. That yes. was a planet. Other than the special edition we see. And yeah. honestly, yeah. if that was what Lucas had in mind, which it stands to reason it was, I don't see how they could have done that back at, back at when it was back when Star Wars was first right. out. And that's where I genuinely... This is where the production, like the design of the, the different planets just takes off from here. Right, Absolutely. exactly. This one is phenomenal. I love <laughs> The designs of the planets and uh like geonosis and a couple of other planets and um two are awesome and then three just blows it out of the water yeah or the order 66 and all of the planets they just show glimpses of is phenomenal absolutely yeah. Yeah. but yeah like and i said i digital effects of the armies going in three yeah. yeah again no clone clones were ever made and that one at least is not as obvious as two right and the shot of them marching into the jedi temple up from above is unbelievable. I love that viewpoint and the shadows that it projects. And just for me, it's one of the most ominous scenes in the entire film, just the marching into the Jedi temple. Like this is the end. Yeah. Like I'll say a lot of people rip on the, the story and the dialogue for it, especially the dialogue, but I will put forward that Star Wars has always had shitty, cheaty dialogue. I mean, that's true. It always felt kind of like a B-movie as far as their dialogue goes. Yeah. yeah, and so I don't. I never really had a problem with it. There's, I've said this before, but there's definitely a couple lines in there where I'm like, ooh, that's, I would have worded that a little differently. I actually like that. He's not, one, he's not as monotone, and it actually kind of makes sense. It's the line immediately after. 
that makes me go, "Ooh, don't do that." Whereas, like, not like you, you're so, you're like you're like everything soft. It's like just oof, <gasps> yeah. yeah, like yeah. that's the twist. Like, I, like him saying, "I don't care for sand," kind of makes sense because that's he came, he was a slave, and that's actually the big thing is that people. All, uh, it's that whole rip of how could he turn to that, but it's like he's used to having someone controlling him. He was a slave for his childhood. Yeah. He is used to that kind of... No, he was a person, and his name is Anakin. No, he was a slave. Yeah, but as he states, he was a person, and his name is Anakin. Yeah, you can think that all at once. He was a slave. (laughs) But it's... So he's kind of used to having that one controlling thing, and the fact that he then gets free and then instantly goes into a master apprentice sort of relationship with a giant a-hole. Uh, it kind of makes a lot of sense. And I want to expand, expand on that. Obi-Wan's a dick. I, I tend to disagree on that one, but that's okay. Okay, here's this. In Attack of the Clones, almost every word out of Obi-Wan's mouth is a disparagement, a reprimand to Anakin. Almost 90% of his dialogue is him putting him down his apprentice in front of people sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you literally see Anakin smiling. He, I think it was just he just protected Padme for something. And then or he was talking with Padme. And then all of a sudden, Obi-Wan says something, a reprimand, turns away, and you instantly see the smile fall into a frown. He is 100% a cockhead. And that continues into the original trilogy, but we'll get to that. I can understand that viewpoint, but you have to understand, he also sees Anakin as getting, having these bursts, outbursts of uncontrollability, and he's like, no, we have to stop this. Yeah, and he's... You don't it, understand. Yeah, I completely understand that, but he's going about it in the worst possible way, and as such, comes off as a dick. I mean, that's fair, and I agree that, yeah, it can be viewed that way, but you also have to look at the fact that his teaching also came to an abrupt end. Oh, I'm not saying he. I'm okay. I, I I'm not saying it is wrong that he's doing that. I'm just saying I didn't realize initially that he is a giant dick. And you also have to look at it from this point of view too. That as a Padawan himself to Qui Gon Jinn, one of the most outspoken, go against the grain Jedi that there were, that was on the council. He also was sitting there saying. Master, we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, but it's okay because I'm a master and we're going to do it anyway. Oh, yeah, he was definitely... And then every time you turned around, Qui-Gon was getting reprimanded by the other masters for what he was doing. So he learned when you do something wrong, you reprimand. No, again, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I don't understand why. I'm just yeah, looking at it and it's so, like, wow, yeah, and you wonder why he turned. <laughs> it was definitely... It, it wasn't the end-all, be-all, yeah. but it was definitely... I, I suddenly understood a lot more where Anakin was coming from in the third movie. Yeah, I can understand that, too. I, again, I don't agree with the fact that he was a giant a-hole the entire time. I think what it was is he was had, he had bad examples as to what to do as a leader and a teacher, and it translated over into how he dealt with his Padawan. At the same time, he genuinely oh, he loved wanted. Anakin it's and that- viewed him as a brother. The big thing is, I think... Again, not only did he have bad teachers to teach him how to teach. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready, but also, too, he did the one thing that he constantly reprimanded uh, Anakin for, and he gained an attachment. His attachment was Anakin. Oh, yeah. No, it... And that was a part that came back to bite him in the end, because he's like, I, we shouldn't be doing this, I can't do this, and it broke him. 
okay, you're making yourself like a gay love, first off. Well, Second, no, he loved him as a brother, no, first and foremost, the way you phrased it. <laughs> but it it was a cocktail that was only going to end in tears. It was. It, it it really was. And on that point also, the Jedi Council are arrogant a-holes. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, have, they have been blinded by their superiority. Well, they've been blinded by their own teachings. They They understand that in order to That's achieve... Static. Well, in order to achieve what they want to achieve, they have to adhere to these strict principles. They're static. That's the biggest problem with them. They don't. They don't adapt. They don't grow. They're on. I wouldn't say that they don't adapt or ungrow. It's that they're static. Even it's they're unyielding to their own rules. They don't understand the fact that some rules they don't need to be broken, but they should be bent. It should apply on a basis by a basis case, as opposed to just right. a generalization. Because they do exactly what Sith do, and Yoda they. Yoda says that they, they've all said it at some point or another. Only Sith deal in absolute. Uh, I was about to say, in that kind of the joke with when uh, Obi-Wan says that to Anakin, it's like, okay, do you not see the irony in your own words, buddy? Yeah, because you, your entire order is dealing in absolutes all the time, constantly. You're, if you're doing this, you're, you're obviously bad. In, other, in, in many ways, the Jedi are exactly the other flip of the coin of the Sith. Oh, yeah. They are just more light oriented, which That's makes me laugh so hard when I hear fans talk about gray Jedi. It's beyond the point because uh, it's not an actual thing within canon. Uh, there are people who don't adhere as closely to the structures of one side or another, and they bleed over a little bit. But they're not gray Jedi. They are strictly either a Jedi or a Sith. It's the way it is. If you want to go, if you want to go canon examples, Qui Gon's probably the closest you're going to get to a gray Jedi. But even then, he was firmly a Jedi. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so that being said, uh, let's move on to original trilogy. Okay. Um, yeah, on the whole, I definitely... Or, well, I'm sorry, we'll, let's we'll, go Rogue One solo. Yeah, real fast, I did want to say, as a whole, I enjoy the prequels a lot more than I remember, and I already enjoyed them when I was a kid. Right. Going back, no, they. I think they hold up pretty well for me. Uh, again, I, the list being not indicative of the fact that I, whether I like them or not, I absolutely love the films in general. It's just they fall lower than on the rankings than my other ones. And you, Devin? Uh, other than kind of some of them needing like Xbox to Xbox 360 upgrades, um, <laughs> and probably uh, a more coherent writer. Yeah, and having multiple takes and that kind of thing. I will. I will. Um, I will not disagree with that. One hundred. I will not disagree I at all. Genuinely love. I genuinely liked one, two, and three. One is pretty weak, just overall. Two and three, I think, are great, are pretty well done, and I absolutely love three as far as design goes. It's just kind of one of those that they made some decisions in order to like cut corners here and there by not making armor, and it it isn't as good going back to it as a trained filmmaker when it was when I was a child. When okay. I was a child, never noticed any of it, and then it kind of is broken a little bit. Uh, Magic's three, gone. Three has one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite characters. Two has one of my favorite characters. It's just kind of like, are they great characters? They look cool. Didn't care when I was a kid. Still really don't care. So, it's fair. Cool. Yeah. All right, then. So, now we're going to go on to the side stories. Yeah, so let's go into Rogue One and Solo. Um, Do we want to go chronological so, uh, uh, solo? Solo first. Solo, then, yeah. I'm, 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 I kind of like that. All right. So, with Solo. Why? I think it's kind of the big question. To me, I found it enjoyable. It's just, I 
kind of, yeah, there's other stories that could have told about new and original characters. I've said this before, if not on this, though I'm sure I did, then definitely before we started this, it felt derivative of Firefly and Serenity. Right. I mean, like, I can okay. see that. They don't have a train job. Oh, wait a oh, minute. Yeah. Also, <laughs> why did those two characters die immediately? I would have liked more time with them. I would. I it, They did, and I was like, am I supposed to have an attachment to them? I'm kind of laughing. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen more things built on. I would have liked to have seen less crammed into such a short amount of time. I wouldn't mind it been like a trilogy. Right. Like, I would have loved like, to have seen them break it down into smaller solo a solo story part one or whatever that's fine with me you can if there's an actual story to be told that's worth telling in multiple parts that's fine yeah you you, like you do his story about when he was with the empire then you do a story about him breaking out and meeting chewy the last one's getting the falcon i would have loved to have actually seen young solo involved with him uh with corellia and then going into service of the empire and going through the academy and getting kicked out and everything like that. Like, I would have liked to have seen his his military career for yeah. the crappy one that it was. Uh, because so it would have explained a lot more. The Empire. Of the Empire. Like you got you got a good chunk of it during that during that war bit, but I would have loved to have seen that expanded on. See what exactly made him turn. What exact what the Empire as a whole is about, because you don't really get that perspective that much. Right. And I would kind of like that. Also, the doomed romance with with a female could have been left on the floor. We I didn't agree. need that. I agree, especially considering the fact that we get Leia later on. Yeah, and it feels like is do, and now it kind of makes makes it seem like does he actually love her or does he love her because she remind she reminds him of the love he couldn't have before. So it's like, eh, does it? Do I need this? Also, L three, I laughed when she died. Yeah, L three, I uh, laughed. I'm not no remorse. When I was introduced to L three and I heard her going on and on and on. And speaking in general, I actually thought it was, uh, and I'm blanking on the actress's name, that played uh, uh, Brienne of Tarth and... Uh, Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, Gwendolyn Christie. I actually thought it was her speaking. Captain no, that's Phasma. 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 I guess Captain Phasma. But I thought it was her speaking as L3. Oh, okay. I kind of see it. Because the voices are similar, especially with that robotic yeah, sound. digitized kind of thing. I, yeah. I, I can understand it. And I, I'm like, why are you so hardcore into these, like, robot rights thing? Like, you're... Can, can we get a memory wipe on this droid? Like, They joked about fast. it, but I was like, why didn't you do that? She's obviously disobedient. Right. It's like, yeah, they're sentient, but on the other hand, they did have the C-3PO thing. Who really gives a shit? Yeah, the only one who's made it through all of them without all of that is R2. And even then, that's kind of debatable. But anyway, yeah. what, the I, I I don't I don't know. It felt like because production wise, it came after Rogue One. It felt like a knockoff K two, and as such, it was shit. I thought K two, I, like I love K two. Don't get me wrong, but because of the attitudes that they had, reminded me so much of the K uh, HK droid from. Uh, we'll get to we'll get from to the that. video games of. Uh, Oh, Last yeah, not, Jedi, next to the, or, not or, or, or the Republic, rather. Yeah, next to the Republic 1 and 2. Like, that just reminded me so much of that that I was kind of like, oh, okay, sure, you're another droid. You're not our original droids. You're not as fun and entertaining. Even BB-8 seems to be more we'll get, entertaining. Than we'll get more into that when we talk about Rogue One. 
Right. But it uh, but I with, got some things to say about that. But with Solo, overall, I thought it was a fun movie. I thought it was a great popcorn movie for a Star Wars film. But I just wish that it would have been broken down, like you said, Devin. It maybe into three parts or no. something. You can't explain the story in a in a line. No. Like it doesn't have a story. The backstory of Han Solo. It's the well, the backstory of Han Solo, but that doesn't tell you anything of what happened. No, but that, like, that's uh, kind of what they did. It's like uh, the backstory of, Son- of Han Solo in two and a half hours. <sighs> like the first Star Wars, A New Hope, is a young farmer teams up with others to go against something and is romantically attracted to his sister. Yeah. The next <laughs> one is <laughs> the further adventures of, or and then the third is the conclusion of. You know, yeah, or yeah, the, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, but, it's it's yeah. too many plot lines. That don't really amount to anything. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like anything really amounted to anything. It's like, oh, here's this thing. Oh, here's this thing. Hey, you remember that, guys? Yeah. And again, the prequels are, were kind of guilty of that, too. It's like, hey, look at this. It's going to be important in the future. Ha, ha, ha. They were oh. guilty of it, but it never was like, hey, this character that looks oddly similar to this other one is going to be important later. But at the same time, Boba Fett's never important. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a couple moments where it's he a little blatant, cool, but on the whole. He doesn't do anything. Right. Jango Fett. You now are like, oh, okay, so Django Fett ties in, but it's not like yeah. a main plot point of this is the most important character in the movie. It's yeah. an important character that feels like it fits. Still. Right. But so. it, again, I will say, it was, yeah, I agree with Tom, it was a fun adventure. Some of it was visually stunning. The whole thing with the maw. Right. That giant black hole, that whole, that whole port, portion was up phenomenal thing yeah. watching that that giant space monster get its skin ripped off into a black hole i was like oh my god this is amazing right like that whole bit and then i laughed i la- but they they injected the engine with that with that bomb fuel and it's like okay kick it the engine cuts out for a second i laughed real hard at oh, that yeah. bit <laughs> that was that was comedy gold right there exactly i one of the other things that I really liked about this was when you see the interactions between uh, Han and with uh, Lando Calrissian. Those were interesting. They were fun. I think uh, Glover did an amazing job. Absolutely. He was the right choice 100% to play Lando. Don Lando. Glover and Alden Ironrike are perfectly cast. Yes. Yeah. Especially like in that last scene, you can see... You can you can see him like he is now acting like Harrison Ford did, like he that you, oh, yeah. that last scene at the uh, at the at the gambling table. It's like, no, no, that's Han Solo. Yeah, 100%. to me, I think the two of them were perfectly cast. Absolutely, I'm not a huge Amelia Clark fan, but she right. was she was, she was serviceable. She was there. I liked Paul Bettany as Dragon Boss. Yes, like Paul Bettany was perfect. The as first Boss. shot you have of him having just stabbed a guy and he's breathing heavily. It's like. Oh, this is not going to go well. Yeah, I think he's a really well-done character, and that's one of the things I like about Star Wars, is they usually have pretty interesting villains. Right. what happened? Also, too, again with Paul Bettany, it just proves once again why I love him as an actor. The man's good. Absolutely. I didn't realize for long, like, until the credits rolling that that was Paul Bettany. Yeah. he He's such a great actor. And then, again, though, like, just the interactions, I loved seeing the evolution of Han. To being this like, I'm driven very much by this one thing. He went from he went from Luke to Solo. That's yeah. literally what happened. Yeah, he went from this very naive kid 
to being, I'm incredibly jaded and I'm just going to worry about the next job on the list. I do think, again, going back to something that actually made me laugh, uh, the, the bit in the beginning with the thermal detonator. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just moved and made the clicking sound with your mouth. Oh, well, boom, hits the light. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that was, that was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. So what? Yeah, it's like so he didn't he, he didn't have the cynical nature of Han through the majority of it, but he did always have that quick on the feet kind of thing. Absolutely, he was definitely like, uh, okay, well, we're gonna do this, guys. Boom, and it usually panned out. Yeah, like he had the Han Solo luck about him, uh-huh. for lack of a better term, because he had that smuggler's luck that that thing that like no other character seems to have in Star Wars. Where he seems to be, like, right on the edge of having, like, abilities with the Force, but not. Yeah, where the, the, to the point that people think he, that it, it, he wasn't trained, but he's probably Force-sensitive. At least to a, some extent. Yeah, or at least the Force likes him. Yeah, right. And, but, I don't know, like I said, I, overall, I thought it was a fun romp. Enjoyable, but, but ultimately forgettable. Also, it's not... <sighs> Again, rushed is the only yeah, term that it, I can really come. Okay, up. yeah, I can definitely say that as to a big me, rushed, and it, it felt like there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I could tell the difference between the different directors. Uh, I don't remember if it was Josh Trank or if it was somebody else that was supposed to direct it, but John Favreau, I believe, took o- or uh, Ron Howard took over yeah. the reins, and it's it's obvious there's multiple directors that this passed through yeah it felt very jumbled yeah Yeah. well i like ron howard it's he doesn't have much of a like unique directorial style right um and it didn't quite show up unlike uh ryan johnson or gareth gareth edwards i believe yeah yeah gareth evans is raid gareth edwards is uh rogue one yeah yep uh so speaking of speaking of rogue one yes so with rogue one honestly Loved this movie. Said before, it is my favorite. It is hands a, down. It is a great closed end. Here's a Star Wars story. Here's what I. Here's what I ultimately want from every a Star Wars story is a closed one one off thing that we don't have to necessarily worry about more of, but we're getting something that we've never really seen before, and we can see the nitty gritty hardcore war on the ground. For Star Wars, I will say this had this can you could easily say that this has the same problem as Solo in that after you watch it, it's like, huh, why was this made? On the other hand, the lore that you get from Rogue One, I thought definitely far outshined the lore that you got from Solo. Mm-hmm. There are so many little bits that you get that shows exactly why having the Empire be in power is a horrible thing shows the dark side of the rebellion. Yes. That first shot of a of a rebel is Cassian with the informant. They get he guns down a couple stormtroopers. The other guy's panicking because he can't climb out because his arm's broken or something. Yeah. Cassian comforts him for a couple seconds, go don't worry about this, and shoots him in the back. Yep. The second that happened, I was like, I'm gonna like this movie. Mm-hmm. Cause it's so they they are not the goody two shoes. It's not the it's not the like obvious split of good versus evil it is black versus gray yeah this is this is shades of gray all over it and it's and they bring that up they bring that up later cassians is like we've all done terrible things and if we give up now why did we even bother it's 
it's so powerful. Exactly. They hit that. They hit that right balance for me. And again, this is this gives me what I've been one of the things I've been looking for from the beginning for Star Wars, the Star Wars. Yeah, we got the war in it. Right. Huge. I mean, the sec- it it takes a pretty big shift towards that after that halfway point into basically saving Private Ryan. Yes, and, and it, it's what I've been looking for because I want to know more about what was happening in Mygito. I want to know what was happening when the. Jedi are actually leading the ground troops in during the Clone Wars. I want to see this stuff because we don't get that part of the wars. We always get this political intrigue or Jedi versus Sith or what have you. We don't actually see the fighting on the ground Except part. for two minutes at the end, there is absolutely no uh, no lightsabers or force, really. Yeah. There is not... You can make the case with Donnie Yen's character who I love, by the way. Yes. But you can make the case with him, but other than that, there is no force. There is no lightsabers. There's no magic, good, and evil thing. It is the people on the ground. hmm And that's very unique for Star Wars. Yeah, we get to see what Saw has been fighting for this entire time, even with him going completely batshit nutty. Yeah, this movie has three of my favorite characters. We'll get to that later. Right. But I will say... You brought up earlier the fact that K2 felt like a knockoff HK from the Knights of the Very Old Republic. Very much. Here's the thing, though. I never played Knights of the Old Republic, so to me, he was fresh and new. And also, one, voiced by Alan Tudyk. Yes, which was, I loved. Who was great. Thanks, Wash. Yeah, and two... Thank you, Sonny. <laughs> and two, I really like that deeply sarcastic and almost nihilistic viewpoint, just batting everything down. It would... It was, the comedic timing on it was phenomenal for my sense of humor. Which is why I think if you listened to the sound bites of HK Droid, I think you would be in love I've, with that character. I've seen, I've seen clips of it, and yeah, I completely, I completely agree. It's like, that is exactly what I like. It's, it's, yeah. it's just that one of my favorite lines of K2SO is uh, when they're talking about uh, the decompression of the ship and them dying in space. And K2 looks at him and goes, I won't die in space. I'm a droid. Just complete, like, no camaraderie there. Or, like, before they go off on, on that last mission, it's like, don't worry, Jen, I'll be with you. Cassian told me I had to. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like, you're not even trying, and I love you for it. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's very, yeah, Devin? Devin? Uh, because I, I never really had, going back momentarily here to Solo, I never really had an issue with, what, L3? Yeah, so it was fine. It was a yet another character, something to do. Minor bit, I'll um, admit. Yeah. I thought she was well done. I thought the the character visually was cool and interesting, like a level up version of a pit droid from um, Phantom Menace. But mm. I think K two S O is phenomenal. I actually have a K two S O figure around me somewhere. Oh my god, yeah. um, you wonderful bastard! K two S O. I really, really like K two S O. I love Cassian Andrews in so. All of the characters. Bodhi, I kind of give her. was fine with. Uh, yeah, he's there. Yeah, I feel like he might be a Mandalorian or whatever the hell that one scientist guy is. Anyway, uh, I've only seen one episode of Mandalorian. We'll probably get to that eventually. Um, but overall, I genuinely really, really enjoyed Rogue One because it 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 tells a story that feels different and unique in the world, and it's not with characters that we know are going to live. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest issue I had with Solo was that I, you knew Chewbacca, um, Lando, and Lando, and 
Han, we're going to live. There was no question there. There yeah. was no tension. I didn't. I Tobacco was very almost su- falling and dying. You know he's going to live. There's no tension. I was yeah. very surprised. I was very surprised when everybody died. Yeah, I thought maybe one or two of them would get out. Everyone's dead. I was half expecting one of them to grow up to be uh, Lars Lars Santeca, who's the Max von Sydow's character in uh, Force Awakens. Ah, but which no, no, that's not the case because that we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, no, everyone, and you know what? I thought I said this before. I have watched this movie three full times. Every time it starts getting to when K two was the first one to die, when that when it starts ramping up to that, I have cried, and I have cried through the entire rest of the finale. It, I didn't expect it the first time in the in the theater. Uh, I was with I was with Chris actually because we went we I think we got out of work early, and we we managed to ca- different Chris, not the ones yeah, not the one that's been here. Yeah. Different Chris. I think I know like five of them, but. I was with Chris, and I started crying, and he, he kind of gave me a look, and then afterwards, I'm like, man, are you crying? It's like, I don't know why it hit me, man. Every single time. it, And I'm not talking about, like, just quiet quiet tears, either. No, look, I was crying. Blubbering idiot. Got it. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Like, even even this last time I watched it, it was like, I was kind of blubbering towards the end, and it's like, I had not expected the third time to hit me that bad. But that kind of shows anything. It's like people people make the case that they're doomed characters. Oh, why should you feel sorry for them? They don't really even develop them that much. But it doesn't really matter. The stuff we get really hits you. Like the biggest one that comes to mind is the confrontation confrontation between Jin and Cassian right after Galen dies in the ship, and she's tearing into him about that sort of stuff. And then he comes. You, you expect it to end there admonish blah 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 how can you do this stuff you know you know better than a stormtrooper he comes back with what right do you have to judge me i've been in this since i was six and now suddenly you decide you want to be a part of this and you can judge me it's like oh my god thank you it's like that i love that moral quandary and the fact that they are both right neither one is wrong or wrong in their statement but it is such a powerful thing yeah absolutely yeah, the whole movie is basically that. They are none of the main characters are wrong in the way they're thinking. It it treats everybody like an adult who has a separate opinion and that is perfectly okay for them because they're still all managed to come together to fight against something that is truly evil. And on that note, I will also admit that this movie showed me what it means to go against something that calls itself the Empire. Mm-hmm. That entire battle on Scarif, both the ground and the space battle, mm-hmm. showed me, oh, that's what they're going against. Holy shit, how do they even possibly win? Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a terrifying thing to think that they have to overcome the obstacle that is this established thing. And they're coming from dregs and scraps. It is a galactic empire about a week away from the Emperor actually finally dissolving the Senate. Yep. So it is it is the Empire at that point. Mm-hmm. There is no there is no remnants of anything from the Republic. No. It, and they show that. I've never been scared of an AT-AT. <laughs> when it starts coming out of the smoke on Scarif, I'm like. Oh, you gotta run. You gotta run. You gotta run now. Right. And until those 
X-Wings come in. You're from, you're very you're from very, Squadron. You're very sure everyone's gonna die. Yeah, you're just like, oh, that it's the end of this little rebellion uprising. That's you guys are oh that one boom. Okay, okay, we might have a chance here, guys. Yeah, I will <laughs> I will definitely agree that like Bodhi, uh Baze and Chirrut, I wanna say is Donna's character. Sure. Yeah, those Baze. three weren't as uh weren't as fleshed out as I felt they probably could have been. But still, all of those characters, it's like, you you felt when stuff happened. Right. Now, there's, speaking of fleshing out, there is a very short storybook that you can get that actually goes into Baz and Shrew. And you to. can, it, it's super short. You can, you'll probably read through it in about 45 minutes, if that. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus Jared's, like, opening scene where him just decimating the stormtroopers, showing once again how ineffectual they are. And then, from from what sources I've seen, uh, Donnie and ad libbing when he's getting the hood pulled over, it's like, "Are you kidding me? I'm blind." <laughs> yeah, I love that. No, it's again, it is my favorite movie. It is one I will gladly go back and watch again and again. I will, I will have it on in the background and enjoy it. And this is also too a great example of if you're watching in chronological order, why when you get to a new hope, you're actually afraid of the Empire. Why you should be fearing them. Why yeah. you understand why people are trying to fight against this establishment. And you're like, oh crap. I'm also part of the club, which might be a club, but of people who... We meet on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Watching it through again, as soon as the close-up and the music fades on, on, on Vader, I stop the movie. I don't watch that next half-minute clip of the stupid thing with Leia, hope that that burned me more than I thought. Yeah, like, it's one it, of the few times that the movie kind of missteps is with the the digital that is, aging of Leia that doesn't is, work as well as they think it did. As no. easily the worst misstep of the movie to me. I mean, for me, I'm happy with this movie because for one, we get to see a little bit more of my absolute favorite character from Star Wars, who doesn't get a whole lot of screen time yeah. to begin with. But no, yeah, 100%. Like, this is a solid 9 to me. If it weren't for that Leia scene, it'd probably be a 9.5, maybe even a 10. Yeah, it is It is easily one of my, again, one of my my favorite Star Wars and one of my favorite movies, period. From pure enjoyment factor, I easily give it a uh, 9.5. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But, um, so that oh, being said, that moves us into original trilogy. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, so... Why don't you start us off on this one, Devin? All right. Uh, I enjoyed these movies a lot before I had any prequels to watch, and yeah. I was—I liked the original. It was fine. Uh, I genuinely really, really liked uh, *Empire Strikes Back*, and I loved that the Empire won. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people note that I always want characters to die. I want negatives to happen to consequences. One of the biggest, I've been watching a lot of videos about writing scripts, and there is a term called make them suffer. That is a way of motivating your heroes to go to the next step, is make them suffer and need to fight through something. In so many movies, especially nowadays with just sequel on sequel, the characters quote-unquote suffer, but you don't have someone lose an arm, you don't have someone utterly fail and then need to get back up. That's like, that's the big thing yeah. that bugs me is the fact that people think that oh to make them suffer I have to kill them. It's like no 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 no. 
They were able to easily do that in Empire Strikes Back. What happens? Luke gets told that Vader is actually his father, that Obi-Wan lied to him, and his hand got cut off by his father. And then he failed to save uh, Han. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, that is a big loss that he has to overcome, and then he does, which is what makes that whole arc mean something. Yeah. It felt good. Yeah, it's... To you me, were, this is... This movie is the breaking of the fellowship. Yeah. I was going to say the breaking of the fellowship or uh, Frodo putting on, like, wanting to put on the ring and, like, utterly, like, it's that point of this is where Luke goes a different direction. I just wish the next movie made Luke interesting. And now he's like, I'm a, I'm a Jedi Knight. All of my, my build up to this you don't see it. I'm just a Jedi Knight now. Deal uh, with it. That is that's a, that always is always what bothered me. That is a big problem. I agree. He gets his ass handed to him by Vader, and in the next movie, he just walks in like he's hot shit. I'm like, but we didn't see you get better. You lost a hand. You fell down a shaft. You're laying at the ground crying like, an, like you just failed. The next one, you come back, and now you're a Jedi? It's like, we don't see you training we don't see you getting better it's just you're all of a sudden better the biggest thing that's I why s- six does not work the biggest thing i can say about that is you probably could have replaced replaced the majority of the opening scene with that and then cut to the important bits at java's either for, way for me well yes i agree that part of six really doesn't work with that we also see where that training went and how he started to go down a very dark path of his own. To me, it feels like he goes on to Dagobah and sits there for like three days and like trains for three days. And then he's like, I'm off to kill. Okay. Well, my friends are in trouble. I'm off to kill my, kill my guy that I'll now find is my dad. And then he gets there, gets his ass kicked. And then it's like, Oh, okay. And then the next movie is now I'm a Jedi. It's like, did you go back and train? Well, I mean, he, do this? he talks about going back and finishing his training. Then we also see that he has a new lightsaber out of nowhere. It's also a different color. There's a deleted scene that explains where he got the kyber crystal. It's like, great, cool. But. Right. <laughs> Why didn't you show me this? Yeah. Right. Like, there's so there's... much missed potential between five and six. 100% agree. Again, this is why Empire is my favorite yeah. of the original trilogy. And. Part of that is also too the premonition in the in the Force Cave, where he has to fight Vader, and it turns out that he's Vader behind the mask. Like, first of all, the fact that that was a, such a technically hard scene to do because they couldn't get the modeling proper or it done so proper. Slow too, just so the way they were doing it. He actually had to stick his head up through, like the the props or the the scenery around him and sit there with his eyes open while smoke and stuff was going through and he's like my eyes are burning <laughs> that's impressive and he did that long enough for them to get that shot and that's an impressive thing to see but at the same time like we see this like hard thing that he has to go to go through the fact that he sees a premonition he doesn't quite understand that later comes to find out that Vader's his father, and he also has to face himself in that moment. 
Like, he has to face one of the darkest times of his entire life by the end of this movie. That's for damn sure. That's one that I've, I've never been a huge fan of the whole Jedi code order of the, like, the Jedi code of, of the not moose. dipping into the darkness. I'm like, if it gives you more power and you're able to do good things with that power, why not? And that's where, yeah, I probably lean more towards Sith if my list of favorite characters here has anything to do with it. But um, I lead more towards dark characters because they get the job done. They're more interesting. And they're too. not paladins and they're not like... They're not righteous. Yeah. And that's where I've never been a big fan of like the, well, he almost went into the dark side. I'm like, go to the dark side if it gets the job done. Which is something I definitely want to cover when we get into the next three, but or next two. Uh, but at the same time, that's why one of the reasons why I like Luke's character to an extent in Return better than I liked him in uh, New Hope because of the fact that at this point it shows that he's willing to do things that are not Jedi. Well, you're like, you look, look in, well, in the beginning of Return, he chokes two guards, but don't let him through. It's like, ah, screw you. Bye. He chokes two guards. Yeah. He also blatantly lies. Blatantly lies and threatens. Yes. Which are things that normally Jedi don't do. Yeah. When, uh, unless you're Qui-Gon. But... <laughs> <laughs> the same thought I did. Yeah. Right, exactly. And that's the thing, like, it makes me wonder if maybe while he was doing his training, one of the force entities that he came across was Qui-Gon. Make a lot of sense. But it would also make sense why his lightsaber was now green. That's why the crystal he found was green. Um, that kind of thing. Like, while he was drawn to that specific. But it... I, I noticed we're not talking a lot about the first Star Wars. A New Hope. That's because... Uh, everyone kind of knows. Like, to me, the original, original trilogy, everyone knows the trilogy. Everyone knows it. So... Everyone's broken it down. So I will. I will also say the the way they got some of those shots is amazing. Mm -hmm. The big one that comes to mind is when the emperor is arriving on the Death Star. Do you know how they actually got that shot? Ninety five percent of that is a matte painting. Hmm. There's like two rows of actual people, and obviously the emperor coming down a ramp. The rest of it's a painting. That's ridiculous. The two stormtroopers, quote unquote, space troopers, in the foreground of the shot where the Millennium Falcon's getting pulled in through the uh, the tractor beam into, I think, the Death Star. Um, that's the same guy twice in the same costume. They just shot him two different times. Yeah, it's so the way the way they got some of the some of those shots is like some of those shots. The way they had to do it spe specifically for like the space battle stuff. The way because it was all film, there was no digital stuff. They had to, the way they had to expose the film to get rid of the blue screen they used, mm -hmm. you're basically going through like, oh, like a cut, like, like two dozen, I think a couple were like a hundred different iterations to get that one shot. Mm -hmm. uh, and even some of the tricks that they use, like putting Vaseline on the lens in order to smudge out the wheels underneath the yeah, speeder the on the Tatooine. Yeah, and make that hover. That is. Who comes up with this idea? Like creative this, stuff. Yeah, I like the idea of them genius. scratching the the negative, I believe, in order to get lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, because they they cut it out and then they overexpose, they double exposed it to create that bright effect. And mm -hmm. it's like 
the people who did this for the special effects, it had it it pushed forward special effects so much. People nowadays people tend to forget exactly how groundbreaking yeah. that first trilogy was. That first movie was. Yes, absolutely. And it gave us a dip into this world that obviously is incredibly rich with just Stuff. amazing stories. The giant and, space opera. Yeah. As long as they're involved with the Skywalker lineage. Otherwise... Currently, yes. As long as they're involved let's with not, the Skywalker Let's not go lineage. into that. Well, uh, we'll eventually move on to just the, yet. Right. the sequel so, trilogy, which is just more of the same Skywalker lineage. 